Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. That music you hear underscoring me is from my son, musical producer Sam Brandt, Neon Blooms, his new hit, produced by Brian Neal. I want to let you know this is going to be a special podcast. Trey Wingo, you know him well, voice of ESPN for so long, up until basically a month ago when he's moved on to start his own podcast. But Trey is a person that was so good to everyone at ESPN, one of the most popular people there. It was good to get him on to talk about his life at ESPN, his life before ESPN, what's going on in the NFL this year, his projections about the Super Bowl and playing with COVID, and where he's gone since ESPN and putting together a new podcast and the people he's talking to. So without further ado, on the Business of Sports podcast this week, the one and only Trey Wingo. Welcome to the podcast. Good to talk to you. Always been a friend to me and to so many at ESPN. It's great to have you on the pod. Well, you clearly didn't meet enough people at ESPN then, but but thank you for that. I Look, I always enjoyed hanging out with you. I, I thought you brought a really unique perspective to what we were trying to do in the shows that that wasn't there filled by a coach or by a player. And, you know, I think so, so many times when we talk football, specifically the NFL, you know, it always is about the game and it's never about the game, but the game or the business di- dictates the game. And, and that's what I really appreciated about the times that you and I did shows together. You know, it was interesting there because this, some of the guys would come to me now and then and producers and would say, is this what we really should be talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah. And I think it's just what you said. I'm like, no, the front offices don't really talk about that. You know, yeah. you, you know, when sometimes in media you say, well, they're probably talking about this, but they're really not. And there are a lot of things I think the media makes a bigger deal of than people in the game. And hopefully I brought that perspective. But what was really neat about working with you, because sometimes I'd be on outside the lines or I'd be on another show, you'd be doing NFL Live. And for people who don't know, you have these pods at ESPN. Yeah. You'd sort of be in this pod. But I think you, more than most people there, were kind of, I don't know if you had this extra sensory, <laughs> but you'd be sort of chiming in on this pod over here with this group. And then someone would say something here. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can add to that. And you were sort of in in a lot of different conversations, no matter what uh, you were working on. That, that that sounds like I'm just a really needy bastard. So yeah. I, I I don't know. I just, maybe I just felt the need to inject my my stupid opinions uh, into anybody within shouting distance. I don't know if that's a pro or a con. How did you get to ESPN? I mean, I think a lot of people know you, assume you're kind yeah. of always there. Was yeah. it? You know, we're in a new age of media, as you know so well. Is was yeah. there kind of a stepping stone way that you got there through sports casting all the way through, or was it was it different? Yeah, my my situation was really weird. Like, I, I grew up in Connecticut, so I you know as a kid, I saw ESPN start from you know Australian Rules football and slow pitch softball into being an actual thing. Um, and my first TV job was in Binghamton, New York. I was there for two years, and then I went to Allentown, Pennsylvania for nine months, and then I was in St. Louis, and I just got into St. Louis in the early 90s. I was coming back from doing a, you know, a story on a high school track star, whatever, you know, and I got a, it was a little notepad, pre-internet kids. There was a time when that existed, uh, and it was, you know, one of those phone message things, and it said, please call Al Jaffe, and it was a 203 number. Well, back then, 203 was the only area code for the entire state of Connecticut, so I knew right away... This is a call from Connecticut where I grew up. So I'm dialing the number like Al Jaffe, Al Jaffe. Why do I know that name? And then it clicked on me as I was making the phone call that Al was the talent recruiter at that time for ESPN. I'm like, holy crap. Why is he calling me? I had never sent in a tape. 
to ESPN. Someone else had sent a tape into ESPN. About and you. that's how, yeah, about me. And that's how I got on their radar. You know, like Kenny Maine tells a story, like he sent tapes in for like three straight years and they kept saying no, 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 which was dumb because obviously Kenny's a legend and one of the best to ever do it in a really unique way. But like, I never sent them a tape, like never sent ESPN a tape. They found out about me some other way. Now I couldn't go at that time because you'll appreciate this as a lawyer, tortious interference was a problem and all that kind of stuff. But eventually that paved the way for me a few years later to get there. So, I mean, I popped up on their radar somehow. And I, I remember asking Al later, he's like, yeah, I don't even remember how we came across uh, your name or your tape, but that's how it, that's how it happened. So. Now, were you, when you said you were in these smaller towns, Binghamton, et cetera, were you doing local sport? Oh yeah. Uh, five yeah, like thing five night, yeah. Six and 11, all the local newscasts, all that kind of stuff. I was there in Binghamton where the only professional sports team was a minor league hockey team called the Binghamton Whalers. And uh, they eventually became the Binghamton Rangers, which I think they still are. And the AHL, the American hockey league. And one year, they had an 80-game schedule. They won nine games. They won nine games out and of eight. You were there then? You were covering that? Oh, yeah. Like, imagine that's your lead story overnight. Well, they're going to try not to suck again tonight, folks, as we take on the, the Rochester Amherst at the Broome County Arena. Oh. It was fun times, let me tell you. Now, were you growing up, like, you know, following sports and doing it in your, in your bedroom and doing the play-by-play? I mean, was that your dream? Yeah, it was. I mean, well, the first dream was to play, and then you realize you are terrible at all the sports, so you need to find another outlet if you want to be in sports. And when I was a kid growing up in in Greenwich, Connecticut, there was a local sportscaster named Warner Wolf, and he was. Hey, I grew up in DC. I know. I know Warren. Okay, yeah, he yeah, he was from DC, then went back and you know, he basically basically he's taken the shuttle, right? His entire career was between DC and, and New York. And you know, he was the first guy that really used highlights extensively and in very weird and interesting and creative ways. And he literally used to say, let's go to the videotape. Right. Uh, which, you know, doesn't even exist anymore. But, you know, he would do all these crazy things and have all these highlights and all that kind of stuff. And I thought he was flipping hilarious. Uh, so I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I, st- we, we had a little AV club at our high school and we did a little show called sports spot, which was just the worst name ever. But, you know, it, it just sort of gave us a little opportunity to do some stuff. And I did some high school basketball games. And, uh, then I went to college with the, with the intent fully to, to do that. But, then college became a very social experience and the idea of like preparing sort of fell by the wayside. And when I graduated from Baylor, I was like, I'm not going to do that for a living. That's terrible. You know, you work weekends and nights and holidays. Who wants to do that? So I got an office job uh, in DC out of college at a PR firm called Rogers and Cowan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was great because I had a little apartment in Glover park, yeah. you know, right by the Russian embassy up there, those row homes. It was phenomenal. And you know the the, the Rogers and Cowan often was right at the at the convergence of where Pennsylvania and M Street meet, right at the beginning of Georgetown. So I drive down Wisconsin, you know, go over to the office. It was great. I just hated the job. Like I was a PR, I was an account executive, and I had to, you know, like, hey, if you're going to mention this uh, this uh, great Mexican muralist Diego Rivera, the exhibit, make sure you say it's sponsored by the Ford Motor Company, <laughs> you know. And, and I was just like, I, I was, it was awful. So I used to lock myself in, in the office and, and read the newspaper every day. And then I said, no, nah, I got to get into the business. So I moved back home 
uh, into my parents' basement, got a job as a page at NBC, like the guys in the blue blazers on 30 Rock, you know, and Kenneth. And, uh, yeah, Kenneth, exactly. We gave guided tours of the building, worked on Saturday Night Live, the Phil Donahue show. David Letterman was on NBC at that time. Cosby Show was also something we did. We'll move on from that. Um, But it was fun. You know, like, I don't know if you really want to go down this rabbit hole, but I'll tell you a quick story. Like, one of the first things I did was I took people from the studio uh, lobby at 30 Rock in an elevator up to the David Letterman Show. And you had to give them the rules. And there were really simple rules like, you know, smoking, no drink. Yeah, this is when you could smoke places and you had to tell people you can't smoke indoors. No smoking, no drinking, no eating, no flash photography of any time. Well, there was this old Monty Python bit that they had rules they had six rules uh and they go through this they say this no this and the last rule is and finally rule six there's no rule six so i would time it so right when i got they they got up to the elevator to studio 6a i think it was because 8h was the uh was the saturday live studio uh, the elevator doors would open and say and lastly rule number six there is no rule six ha 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 laugh 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 joke 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 enjoy the show well, like a, a month later, I'm out late at night uh, with a woman that I'm trying to impress. And there was this little bar on the Upper East Side called the Stumble Inn. I think it's still there. It's either the Tumble Inn or the Stumble. I think it was the Stumble Inn. And you literally is where you went last call, just the Stumble Inn. So I walk into this bar with this woman I'm trying to impress. And this guy looks at me <laughs> like this. And he goes, I know you. You're the elevator guy from Letterman. And I was like, well, I'm screwed now. I mean, this this has no shot of ha- ever happening. You plant for the for the woman you're trying to impress. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it didn't really work. So there you go. It didn't work? Okay. Yeah, that would yeah. you buried the lead on that story. Yeah. <laughs> um so you go from uh, you you left us hanging there. You go from page at NBC, and that's when you got into the the small time sports cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to make a tape on uh, on the set of NBC News at Sunrise okay. and I sent it out and uh, it was just god awful. Like it was awful. Like I'll look back at that tape and like, why did anyone hire me? It was just horrendous. But, you know, I got the job in Binghamton and I was there for two years and then I was in Allentown for nine months and uh, then St. Louis for six years. And then uh, I was at ESPN from November of 97 to last month. Now, now, ESPN role, did that morph to NFL right away? I mean, it obviously was before my time joining you there. Were you always NFL or were you doing other things? No, I started out on ESPN News, uh, the 24-hour, you know, sort of news channel for sports. And then I started – they started uh, putting me on Baseball Tonight a little bit. Uh, and from then I got – I was the host of the 6 o'clock Sports Center for two and a half years. Then they they moved me off that and put me on the NBA tonight for one season. And I said, look, like, I don't want to do this. It was, uh, you know, I, it's not my thing. I don't, I'm, I mean, I like the NBA, but it's not something that I want to be all time, all consuming on. And then that was in 2002 through the winter of 2003. And in August of 2003, they launched NFL Live. And uh, I was on that show from 2003 till February of 2018, although I started the radio show with Mike, technically in end of November 2017. And after love, NFL. Oh, yeah. It's always been my favorite sport. Like when I was a kid, Andrew, like I would like draw plays, like literally I would watch games. Like I, I, my family's from Texas. So I was, I was, you know, grew up right side of New York, but my whole family's from Texas. 
And uh, we moved back to the States in the early 70s. My dad had been covering the Vietnam War for Life magazine, and we were living in Hong Kong. But we came back, and uh, you know, one of the first football games I ever saw on TV was a Monday night game with the Cowboys. And my father was like, ah, Dallas Cowboys, you know, we're from Texas. And I thought, cool. And the helmet, you know, the star was pretty cool. And they were winning. So it made it very easy for me to be a Cowboys fan. But like, I, I would literally like draw up plays and come up with plays and try and figure things out. And, you know, college football, as you well know, in the Northeast is not really a huge thing. So, you know, I just, I fell in love with, with football. And as a Cowboys fan, you know, you can only watch them when you play the Giants. So there was also this little show called This Week in Football that came on Friday nights with Tom Brookshire and Pat Summerall yeah. voicing all the highlights with John Facenda's voice, yeah. the voice of God. Uh, and that was my addiction, getting to watch that show every week just to see everything that happened in all the other games. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I think like you, I grew up a huge football fan. It was more interesting to me, it didn't surprise you at all, it was less about, you know, who gets the stats or who's a good player, who's a good coach. It's really sort of why certain organizations always do well and why yeah. always do poorly. You know, what is it there? What's going on? And in those days, no cap. Structure. Structure. Yeah, organizationally. That, yeah. It's interesting that that hasn't changed. You know, there's some organizations no. sustain success and some sustain failure. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, God bless the Jets. I mean, they're, uh, they're, do, they're, do, they're doing their best. Um, and that call on Sunday, wow, was that ridiculous. Yeah, we're recording this after the uh, Greg Williams allowing uh... <laughs> seven plus rushers. Seven. Seven. I, I, zero coverage where the only thing that can beat you is a receiver over the top. I mean, I get be who you are. I understand. That, and you, you'll appreciate this. Like, that drives me crazy. Like, I find so many coaches get so adamant and dug in about, well, we're going to be who we are. Yeah. Well, how about you try and win the game? Like, shouldn't that be who you are? And all those years, I thought that's what Bill Belichick did better than anybody. He, he was a malleable coach. They were a malleable team. They didn't have a, a set agenda. They didn't have this is what we do. What do we need to do to win the bleeping football game? And it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people – go down by saying, well, this is who we are, Mike Martz. This is how we're going to do it. Why don't yeah. you do what's necessary to win the game? And, I mean, like, Kyle Shanahan, I believe, is an amazing football coach. He's an amazing football coach. But twice now he's had big leads as an offensive coordinator, obviously, with the Falcons, uh, in Super Bowl 51, and a 10-point lead against the Chiefs, and they went away from the run. And I just I – don't, I don't understand it. Like, if they – after the Chiefs had scored in Super Bowl 54 to make it, you know, 20 to 21 to 17 – uh, you know, they ran the ball on first down and they threw it on second and third. And you know, people say, well, you know, he was open, but, you know, Chris Jones made a great play. All that's true, but Chris Jones made a great play. You got six yards on first down. You probably win the game if you run it on second and third down. You know, and if on a seven-step drop on third and one with a 16-point lead with eight and a half minutes to go, you run the ball there, you probably win that Super Bowl. We're not talking about Tom Brady with five or six rings anymore. Yeah, you, know, you got a nice segue there because you're talking about coaches that get stubborn, and Tom Brady's on the Tampa Bay team now. If you haven't heard, yeah. <laughs> that slipped by me. I, you are breaking news to me. I was not aware of that. It just came out, and uh, <laughs> Bruce Aaron seems to be running his show, and uh, doesn't allow for a lot of adaptability to different strengths. It just seems that way. Yeah, um, when you said that about coaches. I immediately thought of Arians in Tampa right now. You know. Uh, Aaron or Brady? Arians. 
Oh, Aaron. I thought you said Aaron. I thought we had segued to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The greatest timing yeah, yeah. of your career. Okay, yeah. No, it's interesting, right? Like, um, it seemed for a while there at the beginning of the season, they weren't letting Tom call the plays he was comfortable with, right? And then the offense was not doing great. Then they got into that little rhythm. Now I have no idea what the Bucs are. Like, I have no idea what the Bucs are at this point. And, I, and I, I'd like to get your opinion on this because – I, I'm not sure with the injury to Breeze now, this is the caveat, like I, Taysom Hill is great. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see them with Taysom Hill winning a Super Bowl. I just don't. Uh, and I don't think that's a radical opinion. Uh, if Drew Breeze comes back and is healthy, I think they are by far the most trustworthy team in the NFC. But outside of that in the NFC, I, you know, the Packers have had some clunkers. You know, they, they let Dalvin Cook run wild all over them in that game. They got absolutely stuffed by Tampa Bay. They're on a little bit of a tear right now. But I'm not sure if there's one team in the NFC that I can say, yep, feel really good about them as being the team in that conference. Yeah, I mean, my bias is obviously going to be on display here. Because, yeah. yeah, I know the Packers had those clunkers. They seem to be on a roll, as you just said, and they have the guy. I mean, Mahomes is the guy in that conference, and Aaron's the guy in this conference, especially – if Breeze is not Breeze. Right. I mean, I think it's those two teams. I really do. And the Packers beat the Saints before. And if the pa- if the Saints can lose another, that gives the Packers home field advantage. Yeah. And I know there are no fans at Lambeau, but, geez, there's home weather advantage, if not home yeah, absolutely. advantage. So I like the Packers' chances with home field in January. I don't know if it's – then we're going to New Orleans in January – you know, that's a tougher situation. Well, the Saints through the last three years have just – I don't know if we've ever seen heartbreak in the playoffs three straight years like we've seen out of the Saints. You had the the Hail Mary, or I call it the Hail Millie because that, that woman, that Millie's uh, Minnesota fan was there to watch Case Keenan play to Stephon Diggs. <laughs> then the next year you have the phantom – Nikhil Roby Coleman non-call that resulted in the worst rule change ever because they were never going to overturn the officials. I mean, like uh, last in 2019, Marlon Humphrey tackled DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. It was the most blatant thing of all time. And it was challenged like, no, that's not a penalty. I'm like, guys, you are clearly protecting the rest right now. What's the point of having the rule if you don't have the rule? And then, of course, the overtime loss uh, to the uh, to the to the Vikings this yeah. past season. Yeah. And it's funny, there's always a there's always a stat for everything. And like people always say that was the last time, the only time in three straight years in the postseason that somebody had lost on the last play of the game. And I'm like, hold on a minute. You always lose on the last play of the game if you have fewer points. You have to say the points were scored on the last play of the game because literally every other game is lost on the last play of the game. Those are those statements. They get me crazy too. The one I hate is uh that running back, he puts his foot in the ground and he goes. I'm like, what else is he supposed to do? Is there another way to run? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know the other way. The other one, I and I do it, players are guilty of this as much as anybody. Well, we wanted it more. No, you didn't. You didn't want it more. You just played better. You had better execution, Like especially in the playoffs. Like There are certain times, as you well know, people make business decisions in the NFL. But once you get into the playoffs – I don't think anybody wants it any more or less than anybody else because yeah. what's the point? As as our good friend Herm Edwards would say, you play to win the game. So nobody wants it more or less than you. You just made more plays at the right time in the game to come away with a victory. Yeah, and all the halftime speeches and the rah-rah speeches on the sideline, <clears throat> they always happen to losing teams too, you know? Correct. <laughs> there are a yeah. lot of halftime speeches that were great and they lost. 
Well, you know, I, I've always wanted to, like there was who was the receiver for the uh, the Bills a few years ago? Oh, what was Stevie Johnson? Yeah, yeah, he was the one that actually the first time blamed God. Like everyone, like thanks God for the win. Like God, God's got a three way parlay going on this game. No, he doesn't, <laughs> or she does. Whatever the the deity does not. Let's just be honest yeah. about that. Yeah, and, and it's like it's Stevie Johnson. I pray to you, and you, this is the way you do me. Finally, for once, somebody said, "Yeah, God really screwed me over there, man. He really hosed me." So uh, that's another one. Can we just get rid of that one because I don't think there's a parlay on anybody's game. I had a final offer out to a player, defensive end in Green Bay named Kabir Baja Biamila. Kaboom. And I'm like, are you going to take this? And the answer was, God will tell me. So <laughs> I sat all night waiting to hear from the good from Lord, God. through yeah. Kabir, whether he's going to take the deal. And of course he did. And, well, and of course, there's we, there's a whole other thing with Kabir. Yeah. Going on right now. That was past my time. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, one other thing about football right now, before we get to COVID, it just seems like, do you see this every year? There's there's real separation. Like in the NFC, I think we've kind of known the playoff teams like since before midseason, since Halloween. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Like, and, and this is going to sound terrible, and I, and I want to give them all the credit in the world. Like, But people are heaping praise on Joe Judge right now. Like yeah. they are heaping praise on him. And they've turned it around. They've won a bunch of games. But they're still five and seven. Like, I think we're looking at Joe Judge through a lens that is coloring our reality because of the NFC East, right? If this were any other year and he was a rookie head coach at five and seven, they'd be like, yeah, he's, I don't know. He's doing all right. All right he's a first year coach. We're, we're fine. It's just because the NFC East is a floating dumpster fire down a river in a hurricane that we sort of look at Joe, what an amazing job he's done. He may be doing an amazing job. I don't know, but I'm a, I'm a result. It's a result-based industry, right? And there's still two games under 500. Now the win over the Seahawks was by far their most impressive win of the year. I mean, Seattle, what the hell happened there? Yeah, with Colt McCoy. I'm not disparaging Colt McCoy, but you're, you have Russell Wilson. You have DK Metcalf. You have Carson. You have Tyler Lockett. You should beat that team in your place, even if there are no 12th man situation for Seattle. So I, I give Joe Judge all the credit in the world for that, but I feel like he may be getting a little too much credit because the NFC East is just horrendous. Yeah, and I watched a game they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Evan Ingram could have caught a ball and sealed it, and then yep. it, they lost. Yep. And I watched a game they lost to Tom Brady in the Bucks, which they should have won. Correct. So that's a team that – I guess you could say they'd have a better record, but of course they don't. <laughs> yeah. What's the Bill Parcells line? You are what your record says you are. And yeah. like, I give the Steelers all the credit in the world. They have taken care of business. They are doing what matters. But are you going to look me in the eyes right now and tell me that when push comes to shove, you're, you're trusting them over that dude with that other team in Kansas City? Not here. I mean, like, could they do it? Absolutely. But... 70-30, I like that other team. Well, we're here on a Monday. They play this tonight, the Steelers, and I think Washington yeah. football team will give them a game. I really yeah. – I mean, we yeah. just talked about the putrid NFC East. Yeah. How weird is that still, the Washington football team? I know. I grew – listen, I'm conflicted. I grew up Redskins. Yeah. I still say it. I mean, 
I mean, I get it. I understand it. It's just weird. It, by the way, it's just so obvious that this was not what Daniel Snyder wanted. Because <laughs> if, if, if this is what Daniel Snyder wanted, they would not be the WFT, WTF. You know, you know what I mean? They would, they would have a name. They would have a nickname. They would have a logo. They would have a license. They would have something to sell. So understand that this is something that he's doing kicking and screaming. Otherwise, it wouldn't be WF. H-T-T-W-F-T would not be a thing. <laughs> but kudos to him. Not may, may, Probably didn't have enough smarts to do it on his own, but just he is staying out of the way. Yeah. I had Jason well, Wright. Well, yeah, there's been a couple of reasons why. And, and yeah, I feel, I I Jason Wright on the podcast, very impressive guy. I know you've talked to him. He's Absolutely. You know, he's taking the shine. <laughs> and whatever they do with Rivera and the great story of Ron this year, yeah, you know, well, and the Alex Smith story. I mean, the Alex Smith story is yeah. incredible too. That's yeah. all pushing Snyder's uh, dystopia to the back, at least yeah. at the moment. I agree. We'll be back with more of Trey Wingo in a minute. First, a word from DraftKings Sportsbook. You know them, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Wishing you the happiest of holidays. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their place in the playoffs. College basketball is getting underway. No better place to get you in all the action. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the App Store now. You don't want to miss it. It's giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus of $1,000. Just use the promo code ROSS, $1,000. It's safe. It's reliable. It's secure. It makes it easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code ROSS, R-O-S-S. When you sign up and get up to $1,000, that's code ROSS. Get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey and Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now back to our conversation with Trey Wingo. We got to talk about the other team in that division where I currently reside. Perth and Wentz. Yeah. <laughs> We don't know as of today, again, we're Monday, whether he'll yeah. continue to start. I have been pointing out, as you know, on Twitter and in many other places about the massive commitment to Wentz, where I know we can talk about sunk cost. I know we can talk about you got to do what's right for the team. I just think this is different. They can't give up on this guy, Trey. Yeah. I don't, think they can, you know, I don't think they can give up on him, but they also they can't, um, they can't throw away a potential winning – division season. I want to say a winning season, but they can't throw away a potential season, right? I mean, just get in. Like we've, we've seen seven and nine Seattle. I mean, seven and nine. Uh, yeah. Seven and nine Seattle beat New Orleans. The year they were the defending Super Bowl champs. The Panthers seven, eight and one won a playoff game against the Cardinals a few years ago. Granted, Carson Palmer got injured. Drew Stanton played totally different dynamic, but you have a chance and they have to find a way over these last few weeks of the season to do whatever is necessary to salvage the season. Wentz is a much uh, – there's, there's the macro and the micro, right? The macro is rehabilitating Carson Wentz for the long term because you are committed. Like the money tells you you are committed. Right. That's, that's not changing. But the micro is what do we do to get out of this funk right now? Because honestly, if they get together a couple of wins, their tie might be the single greatest thing that ever happened to them because right. it's, a, it's a half win as opposed to a loss – and that could be the one thing that changes everything for them if they can just find a little more functionality. 
No, it's interesting because Peterson last week said, I'm not going to go to uh, Hertz because I don't want to send that message to the team. No. Where he may not go to Wentz this week because he doesn't want to send that message to the team. Just what you're talking about. Yeah, like, look. Going to Hertz was given in. Like, Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a season to be salvaged, okay? And much in the same way, David Carr, not Derek, David Carr never recovered from his rookie year when he was sacked 77 times. Whatever Carson's problems have been are exacerbated by the fact that he's gone 10 straight games, getting sacked at least three times. I think it's well over 50 on the year already. I don't care who you are. That's not something that you just brush off. 2015 AFC Championship game, Broncos hosting the Patriots. They beat the living hell out of Tom Brady in that game. You know, Sam Darnold gets vilified for seeing ghosts. Every quarterback sees ghosts when they're in your face and in your face mask for 60 minutes. I mean, that game was so bad for the Patriots, they brought Dante Skarniecki out of retirement. One of the great offensive line coaches and arguably one of the great assistant coaches in the history of the NFL. And lo and behold, after that, they went on to win two more Super Bowls. So, or at least one more, sorry. Uh, and, you know, you know, two, two more. I apologize. Uh, so, you know, whatever Carson Wentz's issues are, when you're being beaten to death with a rubber hammer, those, those weaknesses and those flaws are going to be amplified and magnified. And sometimes it might be, okay, we, we just, we got to reset. You know, it's like a, like when you have a computer issue, just turn it off and turn it on again, reboot it. That may be what's necessary at this point in Philadelphia. No one's going to take that contract next year. I mean, no. I, I mean, there he's going to be a $35 million backup or they got to make it work. They got to yeah. fix them. You know? Yeah. They, they have to fix them, but I, you know, can you do that in the season, right? Especially with this day and age. Okay, and, and look, when you were running things in Green Bay, you could practice. Yeah. Um, before COVID, you could kind of practice, kind of. Now you can't do anything. No. So any of those things that are going to be fixed, it's going to start with an, a real off season because that was that's the other thing that has been, to me, the overriding factor of this entire 2020 NFL season. I knew or I believed in my heart any team with an established head coach an established uh, quarterback, and an established structure was going to do very well. I felt bad for every – like, well, that's one of the reasons I wasn't all in on the Tom Brady hype because, you know, you can say whatever you want, but Bruce Arians admitted it – or not admitted it, just acknowledged it, I think is a better way of saying it – a few weeks ago. It'll probably be next year before we're finally in sync with all of this because you just can't do it. You don't have the time and the reps to put in – to change things so much. So, you know, whatever whatever's going on with Carson, it's like when RG3 hurt his knee after his rookie year. Yeah. You know, he spent that second season, second that first off season for a second season rehabbing instead of growing. And right. that was a real problem. And I think whatever Carson's going to be, it's going to take a full off season to get him back to where he was. Because you're right, no one's taking the contract. So at the end of the day, you have to fix him. I just don't know if you can fix it during the season. Well, you mentioned it. Let's go there. COVID. I have been very vocal. Uh, listen, no one understands the business of the NFL more than I do. Right. They're not going to shut down a $15 billion business. No way. But I still have a problem with playing the Ravens Steelers game, even albeit on a Wednesday at all, and not pushing it to pick a week 18 or whatever. Yeah. 
Carrie, you had nine days, nine days of consecutive positive COVID tests. You had 23 players on the list. So what it tells me is they're going to play. Like yeah. the Panthers have an outbreak today. They'll play. Eight. Eight. Yeah, they're going to play. Yeah. So we don't, we have no, we, I'm a lawyer, precedent. The precedent is they're playing through. Now, do you think it's the right decision? Did they just hold off on week 18 because they didn't want to push just one game? I think, yeah. I mean, like the, the the cushion is the 18th week, right? That's that's clear. To me, I think the NFL at this point is like we're getting to the postseason one way or the other. And if we need the cushion, the cushion will be for the postseason because they look much in the same way in the offseason when the, we didn't have an offseason. I knew they were going to do whatever was necessary to get to week one, that Thursday night game between the Chiefs and the Texans. I, I knew right away there would be no preseason games. They're not going to do it. There's no, there's no upside to it. Right. We're just getting, we're getting to that first week. And if we can get to the first week, we're off and rolling. I think at this point, the NFL is like, we are going to get through the season any way we can, but our cushion is going to be for our jewel, our shining crown, our gem, the NFL postseason. Nothing's better than the NFL playoffs. Nothing. I mean, like, I know purists in every sport will say that there is the best. You know, to me, the Stanley Cup is the hardest thing to win in all the sports because of what they have to do, 16 games. I get all that. But you want to talk about the shining jewel in television and in sports, it's the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. So the NFL is holding back as much, in my opinion, I mean, no one's told me this, they're holding back as much as they can to make sure that whatever we need to do to make sure we have those wild card games, those divisional rounds, which is the best weekend in football the entire year, the conference championship games on championship Sunday and the Super Bowl, if we have to push it back for a couple of weeks, that's when we'll be as flexible as possible. But we are plowing through to get to that and make sure that runs on. I think the bubble in the playoffs, some illustration. Roger addressed it last week, you know, or I think he was on, was during the, I think he was on yeah. halftime of the, of the Steelers Ravens game. And he said, we don't see it at this time, but you know, if this continues, they're going to do whatever's necessary to make sure we have a, a full playoff. That, that is what I believe. So whatever you say now is irrelevant because there will be circumstances that dictate what you say now has to change, right? Dr. Alan Sills, the NFL's doctor on the COVID has said the virus will decide, uh, and, you know, the, the NFLPA doctor said the exact same thing. I want to be clear. But I think that's what's going to decide it. How can we maneuver around this thing, which is not getting better? It's significantly getting worse to make sure that we have our prize. So I think they'll do whatever is necessary. So Roger can say whatever he wants Wednesday, but they'll do whatever is necessary to make sure those games are played. Yeah, I mean, I, the story of COVID obviously is going to last for a while. I worry, and I've said this, if I were still a team exec or at league exec, what would keep me up at night is, are there going to be negative outcomes? Are there going to be players that don't get better either now or do get better now and have consequences later? And yeah, Myocarditis. Yeah, and their families and the staff and the coaches. So, yeah. and that story won't be completely written for quite a while. I mean, there's some, no. AJ Dillon's been on the list for a month. Trent Brown was on a month, a kid at Jacksonville, a Ryquel Armstead, I think, all year. Yeah. Who was it? Who was was it him that said, I still don't I, I can't remember who it was. Because someone was asking me about Cam and why he wasn't playing very well after he came back. And I'm like, I can't remember who the player was. It might have been an offensive lineman. He said, Look, I, you know, 
a month later, I, I every once in a while, I still feel like I'm fighting my body. Like it's, yeah. you know, the, the, the technical symptoms are gone. I don't have a fever. I don't have a cough. The headache's gone. Taste and smell I have. But, you know, he says, I still feel not right. Like I, I don't feel like things are normal. And, and I think that's the thing nobody knows at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's completely speculative. I mean, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott hasn't been the same player, but I mean, I, I don't want to go there as the reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that contract looks worse and worse yes. every every game. Like I don't, I, I don't mean, know what. I mean, like even 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 players. Like first of all, the Derrick Henry thing I thought was a fascinating outlier uh, this offseason because he he clearly earned the contract whatever he was going to get, but he also the way he runs, which means he's going to not be able to do that much sooner than most people because yeah. he's not missing any hits. You know what I mean? He's yeah. he's just a, he's just a, a grizzly bear. Um, and then you have Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, thousand, thousand season last year gets hurt. Uh, Dalvin Cook has somehow managed to avoid that right now, which has been amazing. And he got his deal. The running back position has got to be as a, as a guy who negotiated these deals for you has to be the one that is just we I, we can't like we can't anymore. Look at the Le'Veon Bell thing. We, we just we can't do it. We can't. It's not. It's not feasible. Then you got a guy like Robinson, an undrafted free agent, who yeah. may set the record for the most ever rookie rushing yards uh, by a running back who wasn't drafted. Give me one of those guys. You know, as good as RG three was his rookie year, Alfred Morris was the big was just as big of a reason. And what was he a fourth rounder or was he undrafted? He might have been undrafted. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was a late round pick. Yeah, I know it's, it's the toughest position. I mean, yeah. there was a wasteland of contracts. It was just Bell's franchise tag basically for like four yeah. years. Yeah. Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, same thing. They blew, they blew him out of the water in LA. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, and you just talked about somehow that Wayson got teams this year with Cook and Henry and McCaffrey and Kamara. But Mixon, you know, they're not happy with that deal. No. Uh, but I do think, you know, and my old team is going to have to face this with uh, with Aaron Jones, a guy they plucked out of the sixth round, who's a star. But do they yeah. pay? Do yeah. They? I don't even know. Do they pay? And, 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 and I want to be a hundred percent clear on this. I want everybody to get their money because yeah. you know it's it's like it's like the Vegas thing. The house always wins until that one magical time where everything works right for you and you cash in. The line from uh, Ocean's Eleven, George Clooney. I just butchered it, but something along those lines. So I'm for every player getting as much money as as, as you possibly can. But as a front office guy or a general manager or a team president. The running back thing, I mean, Nick Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You can find those guys. Yeah, and it's why, you know, Saquon Barley, Barkley was rookie of the year, but still a bad pick. You know, yeah. that's what I feel. It was rookie yeah. of the year, great player, bad pick. Now, I don't know if they didn't think Darnold was the guy or Josh Allen or any of those guys from that year, but you just don't well, take but but to your point about structure, right? Like I have no idea if Sam Darnold was a bad pick or not because the the Jets have totally just ruined it, right? They've just ruined. It. Like, I still believe, and that you can call me crazy, that Josh Rosen could have been a really good quarterback in the NFL. But what he went through the one year in Arizona, then he goes to Miami, and that was a disaster. Uh, and now I have no idea if he's he's even salvageable. And I thought he might have been maybe the best guy out of that draft in terms of a skill set that you can translate to the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes, to me, was going to be Patrick Mahomes no matter where he went. But for him to fall to Andy Reid, yeah. to Eric Bieniemy with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and all those guys, I mean, just whatever. Like, 
he might have thrown 35 touchdown passes somewhere else as a first-year starter. He threw 50, you know what I mean? So that matters as much as anything. And look, Mahomes, I believe, is going to be, when it's all said and done, the greatest ever play. I believe that. But it sure helps that he is where he is. Yeah, structure. I mean, listen, I know better than anyone. We kept Aaron on the bench for three long long years yeah and when we took them fans weren't happy brett wasn't happy aaron wasn't happy nobody's happy because you took no. you don't need but it worked out because all right so the, i want to ask you a question then about this because yeah. you took him because obviously i mean he was sitting there for you guys and you know you had to take him which is by the way different from the jordan love situation because they they went back Great into stuff. the round again that's a totally different level of commitment there um did you think when you got him, uh, we might have overreached here? Or did you know right away eventually this was going to work? This was complete trust the board, right? So we have the board yeah. and that draft. You know all the guys. Yeah. We wanted DeMarcus Square bad, gone. Yeah. We wanted your colleague at ESPN, uh, Marcus Spears, gone. Yeah. We wanted your other colleague, David Pollock, gone. We wanted yeah. Derek Johnson, gone. So two things happened. One, Aaron's the only name in the first round grade, and two, yeah. no one's taking him. Yeah. And still, there was a lot of talk about dipping into our second round grade to take a corner or D lineman. And Ted Thompson, John Schneider, John Dorsey, Reggie McKenzie, like, what, Andrew, what do we always say? By the way, I, I, just so people understand, go through that list of everybody that was on making that decision and look at all the other places they've gone. Say that again. Yeah, I mean, our personnel staff at that time under Ted Thompson was John Schneider. GM in Seattle. John Dorsey. GM several places in the league. Cleveland, Kansas City. Reggie McKenzie. Been phenomenal. GM Raiders. Uh, and did I miss anyone? Brian Gutekunst. Mean, Brian, yeah. <laughs> Brian Gutekunst, yeah. Who's there now? I mean, that that's that's a murderer's row of, uh, of front office executives. So, yeah, I, I just like – because obviously Favre – uh, was coming off a really good year that year. and uh, But, I mean, did you see it right away? Or did you think, uh, we're you know, this is a project? Trey, we got out there on minicamp practice number one, like six days after the draft. Aaron rolls right, <laughs> flicks 60 yards in stride to Donald Driver. Yeah. Ted Thompson never showed one emotion in the 10 Never, never. But he, his eyes caught mine at that moment. Yeah. He gave me a look, like a look like, for him, it's like jumping up and down, but it was kind of like, we got the guy, you know, yeah. the guy. And then he became a favorite just because of his dry sense of humor and everything else. Yeah. Photobombing all the captain's picks. But putting, uh, putting uh, California cool with hayseed, Miss Southern Mississippi, that was not love at first. <laughs> well, I, I was listening to some podcasts. I, I can't remember what it was. And I, I think the story went that the first time they met, Aaron tried to break the ice and said something like, Hey, old man, what's up? And Favre was like, bleep you, right? <laughs> Did not go from day one. By the way, I, I have a lot of respect for Aaron for saying, yeah, let's give it a shot. See what happens, you know, but that, that pretty much that set the tone for that relationship. If I'm not mistaken, I had to call down to Louisiana. You'll love this story. Uh, and bring all, bring back old Doug Peterson. He who'd gone on to coaching in Shreveport. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it wasn't the thing you could do today with Josh McCown on video. So <laughs> like, yeah. oh, can you come back, please? I need you in that room with Brad and Aaron. He's like, shit, I, 
I'm going on to coaching, Andrew. I'm like, yeah. give you a million dollars. He didn't have an agent. We just did it. Yeah. Like, That's hilarious. That, and you, at, well, because you needed a bridge. You needed a buffer, right? You know, and he was, he was Brett's best friend. He was Brett's golf partner. But everyone loved the Doug. So I, I feel for him going through what he's going through in Philly right now because yeah. different kind of fan base, Philly to Green Bay, I'll tell you that. It, it is funny, right? Like, and I think Philly fans sometimes get a bad rap because what I what I what I appreciate about Philadelphia fans is there is no filter. Like, they're, and they're they, yeah. they're invested, and they will shoot you straight. Now, sometimes they're a little too straight, yeah. but I mean, like they're they're not pretending. So, uh, but I, I would always say to them, "You you did win a Super Bowl three years ago. Like that's." That with a backup quarterback and a backup left tackle, which might have been one of the more miraculous things ever in football. Like, if you really study how that happened, you're, it's like impossible. And this is why I'm not a ring counter, and I don't believe that wins are a quarterback stat. Yeah. Far and away, the best Super Bowl Tom Brady ever played was Super Bowl 52. Yeah. He had 300 yards at the half. He threw for almost 500. He might have thrown for 500 yards in that game. Yeah. yeah. And and they lost. And people say, well, he had the turnover. Okay. Well, you know, he put up 30-plus points, you know, in the game. The defense defense got paid, too. So, you know, I, I it's, it's just – we'll go back and look at that, I think, in 10 years, and we'll say, wait a minute. The MVP, likely MVP of the league, is your most important player at the most important position in football. He's out. You bring in a guy who has – Caught magic one time before in the same city with Chip Kelly. That year he went 27 and two, 27 touchdown passes, two picks uh, for the Eagles. And he does it again in the playoffs in the most unlikely of ways against arguably the greatest dynasty that the NFL will ever see. In fact, I don't think it's even questioned the Patriots of the aughts, for lack of a better term, will go down as the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. And you beat them? Yeah. Backup quarterback and without your best left tackle, no one would believe it. And Nick Foles hadn't played a good down since. No, <laughs> right? And then the Bears, the Bears this year, what, what did they start? Three and zero, three and zero, and they and they made the switch. And then how's that worked out? Just absolute disaster. Jacksonville paid him the biggest deal in the league last year in free agency, and yeah, broke his collarbone week one. He's gone week one. Yeah, he's MVP in Philly. He's not good anywhere else. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, in our remaining time, I want to let you go in a little bit. The uh, You transitioned from NFL Live to the radio, as you talked about, with Mike yeah. Golick and Wingo show. And then you've just transitioned out of there. Talk, Give you a blank canvas. Just talk about yeah. your, your last couple of years there and moving on. Yeah, look, I want to say this. I, I have no ill will toward anyone at ESPN. I had a phenomenal time there. Uh, but in 2017, they were going to break up Mike and Mike for reasons that I still to this day cannot tell you. Made no sense to me. It's arguably the most popular radio sports radio show in the history of the medium. Did they, I mean, so, huh? Did they give you a reason why they were doing that? I mean, I know, but that's not my story to tell. Let's okay. put it that way. Um, so they came to me and said, would you want to do this? And I thought about it and, you know, um, I had what I consider to be the perfect job for me. I love football. 
I, I mean, I hope this comes through. Like, I love football, okay? I love everything about it. My job was NFL Live five days a week. I did the NFL Insider Show on Sunday mornings for three years. I did the draft, which I love. I did the Hall of Fame every year. Right? It's wonderful. Super Bowl. I loved my job. But they came to me and said, we want you to do this. And I was like, all right. I mean, I'll, I'll try it. And I knew a month into it, it wasn't going to be a thing I wanted to do long term. So we, we went to them in May of 2019, which is about halfway through the contract. And so, look, we just want to let you guys know this is not something that I want to do full time. It had nothing to do with Mike or the Golics or any of the shows. We all got along great. The hours I never took to. It's, and I have everyone that does that, I, tip of the cap, because it is people will pretend like it's not a thing. It's a thing. And I hated not watching all the games. Like, I didn't like the idea of not seeing what I was supposed to talk about the next morning. What were your what were your wake up and go to bed times? Three forty five, I'd get up, uh, and you know I'd stay up for big things like the Super Bowl, championship game, all that kind of stuff. But you, not, not watching a Warriors game at ten o'clock, you know, talk about that. Okay, um, here are the highlights. Here's what happened. But I didn't see it, you know. And I I want I liked I want to be authentic. Like for me, that's why I believe I was good at covering the NFL because I watch every game. Like. We got to wrap this up. I got a game in an hour and a half. We got to, I got to watch, you know, one or two tonight uh, on a Monday. And then I got another one on Tuesday. I like doing that. Um, and I, I want to be fully immersed in the things that I talk about. So, you know, I told him, I said, I'd like to do something else. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. So, you know, uh, I, I will tell you this story. I've said it once before. I was really weighing about not taking the job. And again, Mike was great. We live a mile apart from each other where our kids have grown up together, going through junior football in the same town, not an issue. But someone told me who would know said, look, if you turn this job down and they offer it to you, they'll hold it against you hmm. the next time your contract comes up. So I, I guess I would say to you, I took the job for the right reasons and I left the job for the right reasons because I, I, I needed to do something that I wanted to do and something that I felt more comfortable doing. Did taking the radio job necessitate giving up TV responsibilities? Yeah, um, I tried for the, the, the plan was because we started in a really weird time in November of 2017 because the studio for Get Up wasn't ready and they didn't want to launch a show until the studio, blah, blah, blah. So I tried for a while to do three NFL lives a week and the radio show. And that for me, it was difficult. Like, you know, I, I'm, it's much easier for me to stay up till three than it is to get up at three. It's the best way I can describe it. Some people are night owls. Some people are uh, morning people, uh, you know. So I tried that for a while and, you know, I was exhausted. Like I would do the show from six to 10. I'd go to my office, fall asleep for about an hour, get up, do NFL Live, come home and just be like, mm -hmm. well, now, now what? And it's funny, like, you know, we go, we used to go to Hawaii every year and we've talked about just missing each other in Hawaii a couple of years. Uh, I gained like 20 pounds over those three months because I wasn't doing anything. Like I was sitting on my butt for four hours in the radio show and I go up to the office and fall asleep. Then I do NFL live and I was just exhausted. Like you, I was exhausted. You couldn't work in fitness anywhere in there. Huh? No. So, and I, we went to Maui and I like, I pull out all my shorts. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> Took out a bunch of bathing suits. I'm like, Nope. 
these aren't going to work. So, you know, the retailers in Maui in 2018 had a really good time at my expense. Uh, so I, I just needed to find a way where I could feel like I wasn't a zombie all the time. And again, other people can do it. And it's great for them. It just wasn't right for me. When did you leave? A month ago, right? Uh, my last day was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh. Yeah. So talk to me about your new thing, your podcast. Yeah, it's fun. Um, you know, what we're doing right now was yeah. sort of the impetus for the whole show because – you know, for 16 years, I talked to you and I talked to, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, the, the the player that wanted to pay you the signing bonus is still one of the greatest stories of all time. You know, no, no, we pay you. Kid. We pay you. You don't pay us. We pay you. There's a million of those stories. Right. And I know them and you probably know them and a bunch of people know them, but a lot of people don't know them. And the whole point was, let's sit down just like this, chop it up. No agenda, no talking points, no hot takes, just tell the stories that everybody needs to know. Like uh, the show's called Half Forgotten History. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. It's also my YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter. Allow me to do all the plugs. Uh, thanks for our sponsors, State Farm, Makers Mark, and the McDonald's. They've been great to us. But the whole point of the show is to sit back and tell the bleep that I know and that you know, but everybody else doesn't know. And it's been a lot of fun. Like Kurt Warner was the first episode. He was great. We did one with Darren Woodson that talked about the Cowboys. Can you imagine the Cowboys in the 90s and social media? I mean, that was, yeah, they wouldn't. Darren said we wouldn't have been able to feel the team. Like we wouldn't have been able to feel the team. Uh, we just did one with Victor Cruz. He just talked about the uh, the boat photo and how that went down for the first time. Uh, it was really funny. And, he, you know, he, he was a kid that, that, Needed preseason. He had three those three touchdown catches in a game against the Jets. That that's how he got on our roster. Yeah, you know, and he 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 told that story. And uh, we got uh, two episodes coming up this week uh, with Emmett Smith, all time leading rusher in Cowboy history. He has some very interesting things to say as well. So that's the whole point of the show, and it's been a really a lot of fun. And we've got a lot of other episodes lined up, um, and people are willing to do it, which has been really really fun. It's just conversations about the game and like things that you thought you knew about Super Bowl 41 with the Colts that you did not know, things that you thought you knew about the Cowboys of the 90s that you did not know, things that you thought you knew about Jim Kelly and the Bills that went to four straight Super Bowls that you did not know. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So half forgotten history, check it out wherever you get your podcast. That's great. And, and as you said, this format, as I know so well, you're not constrained by time. You don't have to throw no. it to commercial. You don't have to throw it to the next show. I, like yeah. I saw you do every day. Like, yeah. You can even explore. You, yeah. It's and and I think people feel very comfortable yeah. in, in this environment. And I and I'm thankful that so many legends have already agreed to say yes, and they feel comfortable talking to me, and that's been fun. Like I, I don't want to say it, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have a, a, an episode with a father and a son uh, who both did pretty well in the NFL. I think there'll be a together episode for the first time, and that might be fun. That'll be great. Half forgotten history. Yeah, because, you know, because, you, you know, most times you have these stories, you're out to dinner when you could go out to dinner with a little cocktail in your hand. And so, you know, raise a little glass and tell a fun story. All right. We'll look for it where we all get our podcast. Trey, this is great as always. Always great to chat with you about life, about ESPN, about football, et cetera. Yeah. Andrew, tip of the cap to you. Now, don't hurt yourself. Like I, I have a sliding scale of justice for me, like. My fashion goals and my physical goals are the same. Just don't be hideous. So, 
You you need to roll like, it back a little bit. Roll like, it back. You, you, these triathlons, you're going to pop something that you're going to need, and I'm and I'm going to be concerned. Okay. Advice taken. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, I'm pretty hardcore. I said uh, I push it hard. There you go. All right, my friend. Always a pleasure, Andrew. All today at five o'clock Eastern. <laughs> Why not? Let's go. Crazy season we're in. Yeah. And we'll see. Uh, no Wednesday football today, uh, this week. It's crazy. But Tuesday, by the way, this will be the first year ever that we've had a, a football game every day of the week because there's one game on Christmas. We have a Thursday game. Saturday games start the last two weeks of the season. We'll 2020, COVID. In all years, COVID. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. How cool is that? the way the country wants us sign me up <laughs> here we are hope you enjoyed that rollicking and frank conversation with trey appreciate all of you follow me on twitter at andrew brent apple podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated thanks to my producer brian neal my music producer sam brent and i'll be back next week with another edition of the business of sports with andrew brent